The objective, to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. S here. Lauren Gunn is back, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you thought I was going to say she is not here again, but she is here, ladies and gentlemen. She's back and better than ever. Lauren, how you doing? I am back and better than ever. Oof. I'm rested. <laughs> I got, I, I, I'm so close to this deadline being over, so I'm nice. good. Don't ask me how the yeah. Mavs are doing because I can't talk about it, but without crying, <laughs> but we are good. We're here to talk some hoops, so I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, I'm glad to have you as always. Very, mm-hmm. very excited to talk about what we got going on. Um, the, the first thing that I would like to talk about is a team in the West, not the Dallas Mavericks, mm-hmm. uh, another team in the West that is absolutely surging, thriving right now, doing its best. The Sacramento Kings recently won 40 games for the first time in 16 years. Just a wild stat to throw out there. 40 games for the first time in 16 seasons, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. They just did that recently against the uh, Phoenix Suns on Saturday. They had the eighth lowest over-under projections going into the season at 34 and a half wins. Jeez. 34 and a half wins. That's just ridiculous. So they cracked 40 wins for the first time since 0506. I wanted to just throw out some f- some facts there about 0506 if you don't mind just so we can mm-hmm. go down. Let's take a trip down memory yeah, lane. Let's do I don't a know refresher if we could course. Yeah, why not? Okay. So look, in 0506, I was 11 years old, okay? I was 11, all right? Crank that by Soldier Boy, you know Soldier Boy up in it. Oh, <laughs> oh that man, was, that was that is a refresher one. course if I've ever heard one. Yes, Oof. number one, number one on all charts. Okay, Hannah Montana debuted on the Disney Channel. If you guys never, remember, never great forget. show. Never forget. Also, Thirty Rock and Dexter, but who cares about those? <laughs> Facebook, Facebook expanded from just being a college thing to anyone thirteen up can sign up, which means I definitely signed up for Facebook at 0506. Borat was released in 2005, 2006. The first one, not the second one, ladies and gentlemen. And Google made this very, very, very small purchase, a very, very tiny purchase. They purchased this small up-and-coming company by the name of YouTube. That's what they did in 0506. Uh, 16 years later, ladies and gentlemen, the Sacramento Kings <laughs> have won 40 games. Jesus. And the world has changed also. <laughs> As you can tell, um, look, the Kings, they're, they're tied for the second best record in the Western Conference. They've won eight of the last 10. Uh, Sabonis and Fox are both all-stars. They're the number one offense in the NBA, number one offense in NBA history also, just because of the way the, the offensive projections are working. Uh, they're an incredible clutch team. They're sixth best in clutch winning percentage this league, so they win a lot of their clutch games. Fox has been an incredible clutch player. That's been well-documented. The one thing that stood out to me, uh, and I, I tweeted this out a little bit earlier, so the people who, who follow me probably have seen this already, but the Kings obviously are number one in offense. In clutch, in clutch situations, they are also the number one offense, but they generate nearly 11 points more than the second best clutch offense, which means That's in crazy. the clutch, 
they it just doesn't even make sense. And that kind of corroborates with what you see on the eye test, like mm-hmm. what matches the eyes. I have had the great fortune of watching a lot of Kings games this year because I'm a night owl. I can't fall asleep. <laughs> so I'm out here at 12 o'clock at night watching the Kings mow down the Minnesota Timberwolves, and it's a close back and forth, right? It's back and forth. They're trading shots. It's fun. It's exciting, which, which kind of makes me wonder how far this team can go because we mm-hmm. know they can perform in the clutch. They have this great offense. They're not that great on defense. I believe they're 25th in defense last time I checked. I My big question is, is this just a fun story for the regular season, or should we be treating this Kings team as maybe a team that can make some actual noise in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, well, we haven't seen it yet. I mean, we just walked through all the things that, I mean – that have changed in the world since they've won 40 games. And Crank that. Yeah. yeah, and so it's one of those things where I think a lot of people are going to say, okay, we'll prove it on a playoff court, on, a, in a play, on the playoff stage. Let's see what the new rotation looks like when it shrinks down a little bit and it's a half-court yep. game, every possession matters, all that good stuff. Um, but I do think that if you're a Kings fan or if you're someone that even might end up facing the Kings, you have reason to view them as a threat. We talked about all the clutch uh, stats and just – firepower they have in in those clutch games and it's not even just De'Aaron Fox and what he is as a player in in clutch time but the way they move the ball and the way they play it's almost like they're they're ready for those clutch games they're not this Mm -hmm. young frazzled team that once they get in those final you know five minutes it's like pure chaos like it is with plenty of other teams and so uh, I think that's kind of a testament to uh, Mike Brown, I think it's a testament to De'Aaron Fox and also Sabonis, who I think is, I, I said back when the whole trade with Tyrese went down that um, when he was quote-unquote available on the trade market, that he is some somebody worth building around. Um, and so to see him get paired with De'Aaron Fox and to see them continue to play off of each other, continue to make each other better, especially in these games against good teams that do have the experience and are playoff ready and are going to be in the playoffs, um, I think they're building a really, really solid case as to why you cannot overlook them come playoff time. And as crazy, I mean, I think a lot of fans would feel the same way, but I do, mm-hmm. I do sort of expect a lot of teams to say, sure, we'll take Sacramento, easy. They're not ready. I think a lot of teams may say that. It wouldn't surprise me, but uh, I would not overlook them. Not one bit. I think they would be misguided in saying that just a little bit. Completely. Um, I completely agree. I, I just think this Kings team is probably a little bit more prepared for the playoffs than people are expecting. A lot of people are looking at them. I don't remember what the actual idiom is, but like a, a, a laid duck, goose something i forgot what it is but like an easy Hmm. duck no you know what i'm not even close (laughs) it's not Um, coming to me it doesn't matter it doesn't matter at all but but a a lame duck maybe is that what i'm thinking about maybe but that's not the same somebody help us out i i that's i'm not sure doesn't (laughs) doesn't matter let us know in the youtube comments folks Mm -hmm. uh but but look in general i think the kings from what for what you said the fact that they have this offensive process that makes so much sense it flows. There isn't this stagnation that happens. And on top of that, obviously, Fox is playing incredible basketball in the clutch. The mid-range shot that he has developed throughout his career has been perfected this season. He has been, he's been able to kind of, like, get guys into position, snake dribble, pick and roll, pull up. That's just, like, a very easy, easy. typical De'Aaron Fox play that happens almost consistently every single game. And we see that because 
the rest of the team opens up so much for, more for him. When you have a Kevin Herter, when you have a Malik Monk, when you have guys who can spread the floor, Keegan Murray, who's probably still shooting around 40% from three, when you have those guys who can space the floor for a guy like Fox, then you can go ahead and make him his best capable player. Like the 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 reach the ceiling that he was supposed to reach, what people expect De'Aaron Fox to reach, because of this space, this new added space that he has. When there's shooters around him, he's just able to work and operate in that space so much more. And the same thing applies to Demonte Sabonis. He mm-hmm. can have these dribble handoff actions that we see that the Kings love these dribble handoff actions with Herder or Monk or Keegan Murray. This is the Mike Brown system. And it's adopted from the Warriors. This, this like, motion-heavy, like, moving, we're passing the ball, we're, we're running, like, multiple actions. It's not about, like, yeah, they're going to run some high pick and roll, but they still are going to be a very motion-heavy offense. They're going to move the ball a lot. And I think, I think Mike Brown is, like, the runaway coach of the year. Although mm-hmm. I know there's some other guys that deserve recognition, sure. But I think in terms of what the Kings were expected to do this season and what they are doing this season and what they potentially could do in the playoffs, I think Mike Brown is the coach of the year. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that, even though, I mean, we we made our cases for back when we talked about the awards and, and at the time, but I, I do think as they can cont- even, I think the moment they passed the Grizzlies, that was a big moment where people were like, whoa, yeah. like, Okay, we knew they were doing... I think some people maybe might have been like, oh, I knew they were doing well. I had no idea that they were doing this well. And I think that uh, kind of put it, getting themselves up into that tier um, record-wise, I think is, is has been a big eye-opener. So I think I'm glad to see Mike Brown get the respect that he deserves. Uh, and yeah, by no means can you count out uh, that team, that offense, the flow. I think the flow is, is really the key to their offense, and that's what makes them so dangerous. Because, I mean, take a, take a look back to the summer when they bring in Malik Monk for two years, 20 million, and some people might have been like, hey, okay, it's your traditional, oh, we're the Kings, we got to quote-unquote overpay someone to pry them away uh, from these contending teams. But then when you look at the pieces that they're filling in and the decisions that get made with, oh, do we – Oh, we just got obliterated for not taking Jaden Ivy and taking Keegan Murray, and now you're you're mm-hmm. seeing these pieces just fit so well together. And I mean, you mentioned the offense, and so you really just have to applaud everything that you're seeing from the Sacramento Kings. I mean, you just you gotta love the Beam Team, and so I, I'm the loving every team. minute of it, and uh, I don't think it's over. So I will enjoy the ride for sure. The only question I have, obviously, and I think this is a very fair question, is the defense, right? The defense Definitely. has been lackluster, but they've just they've just shown that they can keep up offensively to the point where it hasn't mattered much, and it, it's translated to a lot of wins in the regular season. Mm-hmm. What that looks like in the playoffs when a team is scheming for you consistently is a question that I'll have. But in terms of, like, yes, their their defense is 25th. They don't, they don't have a good defense. But from when I watch them, I don't necessarily think they are a terrible defensive team. Mm -hmm. I think they have the fundamentals. I think when Fox buys in, he's a pretty good point of attack defender. I -hmm. think Sabonis, for his lack of size and rim protection, can still be a a big body that you can throw out there. I I do wonder about the the wings, you know, when it comes to Monk and Herter and, and Keegan and those guys, but... Some of the additions they made, obviously Kessler Edwards is a guy who, honestly, he was playing pretty good over the mm-hmm. weekend. He played well against the the Suns. Um, maybe he gets some rotation minutes because he is a pretty good defender. He provides them with a little bit more length if he can keep up offensively. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But in terms of 
defensive profile, they don't like they don't look like a bad defensive team. They don't give up a ton of restricted area attempts. They give up a decent amount of paint attempts, but that's probably more like in the mid-range area. They give up a decent amount of of, of mid-range attempts, but they also don't give up a lot of threes. Um mm-hmm. so I I just I don't know. I I think I think for me it's like maybe this defense is good enough to hold up. And I guess it just depends on what type of matchup they get in mm-hmm. 7 or 8. If it's the Mavericks, I could see this just being an offensive like slugfest because neither of those teams are playing defense, right? right. No, no, nobody is worried about defense in that series. It's just who can outscore who. Right. Um and I think that's the type of series that the Kings would be comfortable in. It's yeah. it's one where it's like, okay, our best offense versus your your best offense. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think if I was the Mavs, I would I would be comfortable because I have the best player in that series. Look, it's Luca at the end of the day, and I probably have the second best player in that series when it comes to Kyrie. Yep. But at the end of the day, this Kings offense has proven for the entire year that they can hang with the best of them. They scored. Absolutely. They almost scored a hundred. They almost scored two hundred points <laughs> against <laughs> that the Clippers. Was nuts. Jesus. Um. So I just I don't know. I think. Their defense is good enough to hold up, and I think their offense is right there with any type of offense in the league. So, I don't know for for people who are for, for people who are saying like, oh, the Lakers or the Mavericks should be gunning for for seventh, right? Should be gunning for for oh, getting to mm. you know. I I don't know. I'm not sure if that's necessarily the the, the team way to that go. they want to yeah. face. Mm-mm. Yeah. I think that's a little too too big of a gamble, especially for some of, I mean, you mentioned like the Mavericks specifically, but even the Lakers who, I mean, which we'll, we'll get to more here in a bit. But uh, I think going back to the defense and what you were talking about with them being good enough in a playoff series, I do think that they're, they are good enough, even though the numbers, you said 25th. Um, I do think that individually the players that they have, especially against opposing teams, smaller rotations what I like about the Kings roster is to me that they have versatile people that they can throw out there if they need to guys that you mentioned Kessler Edwards but guys that might not necessarily play crack a playoff rotation but I do I could see Mike Brown being like okay with this with this matchup let's give uh, Trey Lyles let's give Chemezi Metu a little bit some more minutes and let's just see how this works a little bit and that is where I like the Kings ability to get out there and play with some length or even some speed if depending because they just have options so I'm going to be intrigued to see how much he kind of leans on the, I guess, experimental aspect of, of the, the game planning um, or if they kind of just try to stick to their, their formula that has worked the most and kind of go with whatever plan they already really probably have in place uh, for a playoff rotation. But we'll see. Those are, those are the things about the quote-unquote inexperienced teams that I always look to see how they come, how they get addressed uh, in a playoff series. So... We'll have to wait and see on that one. The Objective Basketball Podcast is brought to you by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN or in Ontario. Download the download the app using the QR code on your screen, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. Okay, so you just mentioned the Lakers. Uh, I think this mm-hmm. is a good time to maybe talk about you know them surging up in the Western Conference. They're 7-3 mm-hmm. and three in their last 10. They actually have the third best defense since post All Star break, so they've played better defense. Uh, obviously, a lot of that has to do with Anthony Davis and him being the anchor for that defensive team. Uh, he has answered the call more than when LeBron has stepped out, and obviously LeBron's injury is a big factor here, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But 
everything else around the team looks great. D'Angelo Russell, mm-hmm. his addition, being this pick-and-roll ball handler. You're listening to this on a Tuesday morning, ladies and gentlemen. You can go and check out my article on SDPN.com about D'Angelo Russell and the Lakers guards in general and how they've helped rejuvenate rejuvenate, rejuvenate, rejuvenate this Lakers offense um, and, and really, really just asserting themselves as this this dominant pick-and-roll, pick and ball-handling type of team. And I think that's elite for the type of team that LeBron can carry now. Um, everything that they've done at the trade deadline has worked for the most part. Vando and Beasley has, have looked excellent. Austin Reeves, a little side note here. Austin Reeves is really developing into something. I don't know what that thing will be, but I really I, I see a lot of potential in him. I guess my question is... Does LeBron end up coming earlier now? I mean, I, I think I think I think LeBron was gonna return at some point anyways, uh, especially with the way this Lakers team was was positioned to potentially be a playing team. But mm. do you think he forces himself to try to come earlier now or return earlier? I don't, I don't think that that's out of the question, and that wouldn't surprise me just knowing everything that we know about LeBron. Um, seven and three in their last ten is, I mean. That's impressive. That's nothing to to uh, to joke about, I guess. But with LeBron, I wouldn't be surprised if he said, "Hey, you know what? Look at how close this Western Conference is. Like, we don't need to be taking any risks um, and playing with our food." Well, that's probably a, a poor choice of words, considering where they they currently are and, and could end up being. But but I think that they're in, they're they're in a good place. They're playing well. They're fitting well together. And so, if I'm a Lakers fan and I'm looking at you know my current landscape in this final push to the playoffs, I'm saying, okay, we there's no reason for us to believe that we need to take a step back or anything like that. So let's get LeBron back and let's, you know, keep our foot on the gas. I do think LeBron and his voice in that locker room saying, hey, look at what we're doing. Just add me to the mix and, and let's keep this thing going. I would not right. be surprised at all if that ends up happening. Um, at the same time, on the flip side, you know, you don't want to rush him back too early when you're seeing these pieces um, blend together and fit together when you know you can throw LeBron in there and he's going to continue to make everyone better, you might say, hey, well, if it's we might as well just keep going what we've got and wait for LeBron to be 100% ready to go without taking any risks that could ultimately, that would potentially be a short-sighted move that could ultimately shorten our quote-unquote playoff run that we're we're expecting to have. Um, so right. I wouldn't be surprised if, if maybe they push back a little bit, but it is LeBron. He's the most powerful name in basketball. And so um, I don't know. I guess we'll see, but I could I could see it from both ways. Where are you at on that? Could you see him coming back? I could. Early. Uh, Brian I mean. Win, Brian yeah, Brian Windhorse uh reported that he is LeBron is trying to do any and everything to try to return earlier. Mm-hmm. Um but I wonder if he needs to. And the, and this is this is kind of the next point I, I have here. The Lakers schedule is pretty light moving forward to to, mm-hmm. to finish this thing off. They have New Orleans tomorrow at New Orleans at Houston versus Dallas versus Orlando versus Phoenix versus OKC Chicago Chicago Minnesota Houston Utah Clippers Phoenix Utah I feel like they could go above 500 very easily in that stretch of games and that's 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 the you finish the season off with that if they mm-hmm. go above 500 get to the playing game maybe get to 8 or 9 now you have a chance and then LeBron is fully back and and I the one thing I would say about thrusting LeBron James into a playing game with no games played in like a month is that when LeBron has sat out 
for a couple of weeks this season and last season, he has looked a little bit slow out the gate mm-hmm. in the first couple of games back. And I feel like he needs a little bit of a ramp-up process before just thrusting him into a playing game. I, I would bet my money, sports interaction again, go ahead, do his thing. <laughs> I would bet my money that LeBron ends up playing in the playing games if the Lakers mm-hmm. make it there. Yeah. But I also would bet that he at least ramps up in April. So I think if we're two weeks away from April, he ends up playing the games in April for the Lakers, ramps up that way, and then now you have a 5-6 game runway where D'Lo, LeBron, AD, they've all been playing, and now you can go into the playing game with, with the Mavericks or whoever and feel confident, right? And fi- I, I, Listen, we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. You're not, you're not out. It's not out of the question. <laughs> That's why I laugh. It is not out yeah, of the question. Yeah, I just... Um, my, I guess I guess my point with that is like I think there's a world where they can win without him enough to the point where he doesn't need to force himself back too early. I agree. But yeah. then the the other side of this is like you sort of need him to come back at a decent amount of time because you don't want I don't know if the Lakers have it in them to win a a a, a playing game and maybe even a playoff game a couple of days afterwards without LeBron at 100% and without LeBron having that ramp-up process because mm-hmm. he has been slow out the gate. Look, he's 38 years old. It's going to take a little bit for him to get back to NBA speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this injury, this foot injury, is clearly something that was bothering him beforehand. He had this foot, this nagging foot injury, and then in that Mavericks game, he said, quote-unquote, it popped. So I'm wondering if if this is a very serious injury that he is going to try to force himself back from and what that means career implication wise for Mm -hmm. his future. I just, there's a lot of like wondering and and big what ifs of what happens in the next couple of weeks with the Lakers. I'm very curious to see what happens. Um, The other thing is, and this is maybe more big picture sort of alluding to what we were talking about right now, but has this Lakers core post all-star break proven enough for this to be almost the same team going into next season looking at their payroll looking at what they would have to do it essentially would mean re-signing russell vando is on his deal malik be uh yeah beasley's on his deal um and and it, it would be essentially the exact same team austin reeves would have to get an, a contract extension but i think that would be handled the way he's playing so it would be this roster plus lebron james and they've been playing. Uh, th- this was an interesting point I heard also. So the Lakers were two and ten to start the year, an abysmal start to the year, right? Awful, just an mm-hmm. awful start. But since that two and ten t- start, they've been an above five hundred team. They've played above five hundred basketball. Mm-hmm. And if they continued at that pace, let's say we took away the two and ten start, they would be a playoff team right now. Mm-hmm. And that's that was that was before that was with Russell Westbrook that was with Pat Bev all those guys, and now but you know with these guys they're playing at an eight games above five hundred pace, so they're actually playing like fifty win <laughs> basketball here with mm-hmm. D'Lo and and Austin Reeves and Vando and Beasley and all those guys. So is this enough to keep this core together next season? I love the question, especially when you think about the Kyrie of it all. But I do think that the way this team is playing right now, and when you look at, 
I mean, I've seen the videos of, man, look at this Lakers. Look at the team chemistry. The new look Lakers are. They're here. <laughs> they're they're firing on all cylinders. And I mean, I mean, their their recent play probably. I mean, it does back that up. Um, I'm curious to see where they're at on that because um, some of the additions, like specifically Rui Hachimura and Jared Vanderbilt, are still on the younger side of things you know they're not yeah. um they're not oh, yeah Rui Hachimura also another guy I didn't mention but yeah he would his contract his contract be yeah right but again from Rui's standpoint from the Lakers standpoint all of the deals that are either expiring and either either need a, a contract extension um or need some sort of some something on the Lakers end they can do it all with ease and bring back this mm-hmm. same group if they want to and so um, I do think that that's going to be a really, really intriguing question that they're going to have to find the answer to over the next month and a half or however long the playoff run goes uh, because, say, they're in the play-in and they rush LeBron back too quickly or they decide, oh, it's let's not play with him and then they fall out or they don't, they don't get past the play-in. I think that in this next short period of time, we could see very quickly um, look at them firing on all cylinders, look at them win a bunch of games to end out the year and then all of a sudden they look very comfortable with this group that they have and even though Jared Vanderbilt and Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves are on the quote-unquote younger side of things they're still fitting very well they're they're having these games where I'm looking at this one right here against uh against Memphis where Rui Hachimura was plus 22 Jared Vanderbilt has had plenty of really high plus games um so you need guys like that even though they're young so I do think that there's a possibility that the Lakers continue to play and look at this team where they finally have these guys and these versatile wings and and, and even D'Lo, the addition of D'Lo. I do think there's a world in which they say, hey, this is the group that we want to go with. We're not going to take the Kyrie gamble or we're not going to go into another offseason where we're going to significantly look at shaking things up. I do think that there's a world in which they continue to move forward with this group. And looking at Jared Vanderbilt's contract, looking at what Rui Hachimura and even Austin Reeves' contract will end up being, I think even if you re-sign those guys on multi-year deals, and Austin Reeves, I do think he's going to get paid, but all of those multi-year deals, I do think will still be very team-friendly deals when you're looking across the league. So I don't think that that takes them out of having other options down the road if they then ultimately find themselves there, whereas a Kyrie swing could leave you in a very different position. And I think that that could be a big factor in why they might ultimately cont- or opt to move forward with this group that they've put together now. I also think they still have room to upgrade in Absolutely. the summer. Obviously, the Kyrie situation is is what the Kyrie situation is, and we'll see how that transpires. Like, look, we, we will see, and we will talk about that ad nauseum at, on this podcast. We will. But I think – the fact that they will have access to now two first-round picks in the summer post-draft, they will have the 2023 pick plus the 2029, or one of, either 2027 or 2029, whichever one they didn't trade to Utah, they will have that open and available to them. So that's two picks. That is two draft picks that they're, they will be able to package if they would like to with some of the other stuff that they have to potentially go out there and get some more help. Now, I mm-hmm. don't know who that help is, what that help is, what they would be interested in. But at the same time, they're going into this summer with more flexibility. They now have more talent on the roster than they had pre-trade deadline. And all of these guys, like you mentioned, can be under contract, can be on team-friendly deals, are 
guys who are young and can be molded and shaped into something post-LeBron James. I think the, the, the side note to this whole conversation, and maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, is that even without LeBron, this team looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that's because this team makes a lot of sense around the other superstar, and that's Anthony Davis. They have a bunch of pick-and-roll guys. D'Angelo Russell is a great pick-and-roll teammate with for AD. I think Austin Reeves is sort of molding into that player. Beasley and Vando are good positional team guys that they can throw out there next to an Anthony Davis. So even if the LeBron saga in Los Angeles ends up finishing in the next couple of years, I could see this core plus AD plus whatever other stuff they can get in the future not being that bad of a team, at least being a playoff type team. So mm-hmm. I think they've they've positioned themselves a lot better moving forward uh, and future-wise. And I think, look, credit to them because this, this trade deadline, they really put in work. I'm not going to lie to you. Like this, it was impressive how they completely rehauled their roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Lakers. I'm sure we'll we'll talk about them a bunch as this thing goes forward. Probably them and the Mavericks in a playing yeah. game. I it, look, man. I, I don't know, man. Jason Kidd's uh, Christian Wood like like him tweets all that stuff. We'll we'll talk about pain. them. We'll talk about them Just at some pure point. pure pain. Pure pure pain. I know. I know. Uh, speaking of West All Stars and guys, kind of on the up and up. Kawhi Leonard and Steph Curry. We'll start with Kawhi first. Mm-hmm. Post All Star break, Kawhi Leonard is averaging thirty one points. On 57, 58, 88 shooting splits. I'm going to have to repeat that for you guys. <laughs> He's averaging 31 points on 57% from the field, 58% from three, and 88% from the free throw line. He's also averaging seven rebounds, three assists, two steals. Kawhi looks as good as he has since Toronto. I, I really do feel that. I, I think... In his Clippers career, this is probably some of the best basketball he's played in the regular season. That being said, I'm very interested to see how the Clippers look moving forward because another side of this is Russell Westbrook's impact. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you know, obviously a lot of questions about what Russ can be and what that Clippers fit looks like. We weren't that high on the Clippers fit, but so far it's looked really good. Mm-hmm. Can't I can't knock it. The, the, the clip, they, they have looked much better with Russell Westbrook, Justin Russo, shout out to Justin. He's a, a Clippers beat reporter. He writes about the Clippers, my guy. Uh, he tweeted this recently. He said the Clippers have been 11.6 points per 100 possessions better with Russ on the floor compared to off since the All-Star break. Also, Westbrook is averaging a career high in true shooting percentage. He has the lowest usage rate ever, ever, and he's doing this by passing more. By being a screener more, he's doing these screening actions with Kawhi Leonard. I honestly, I think that the Russ acquisition in this very minute and finite role, it's the balance, right? We, we mentioned that earlier. It's like, how are they going to balance Russ's role? They've done a great job of that so far. Going back to Kawhi, I think he plays really well off of Kawhi. And Kawhi's decision-making, Kawhi's own ability to kind of control the pace of a game is almost the exact perfect yin to the yang of Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess my question to you is, like, do we still believe in this Clippers team that consistently has told us this season that, like, <laughs> maybe they aren't a contender? By the numbers, they don't look like a contender at all. All the I did the article a couple of weeks ago. All the advanced stats say they are not a contender. Right. But they have Kawhi Leonard. They have Paul George. 
and they have a rejuvenated Russell Westbrook plus mm-hmm. a bunch of depth. Maybe the deepest team in the depth. league. Mm-hmm. Do we? Do should I still fool myself into believing in this team? I when I, when the trade deadline happened, I was like, oh my god, like this team. Everybody that they brought in from Eric Gordon, Mason Plumley, even Bones yep. Highland, who that's kind of a, a little bit of a different conversation, but everyone that they brought in, I was like, this is not good for the West. This is not good for the other teams in the West because they already had depth with Terrence Mann and Robert Covington and Norman Powell, guys that could get going and really impact a game. And then you add in this whole other group of guys that they mm-hmm. just seem to get for nothing year after year. Um, blows my mind. Will never not blow my mind. Um, second so round yeah. picks, man. So, yeah. yeah. God, the second round picks. God. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I do think that you should buy into it. At least I am. I I, th- I mean, the numbers, the number. To me, you always have to find the balance between the numbers and the eye test, and that's a very tricky thing to try and judge. But these aren't just, like, young, fun guys that can pop off for 20 points every now and then. These are Mm -hmm. veteran players that have had success in multiple systems. Kawhi is looking like the Kawhi that he is. Paul George popped off for 42 the other night, I think it was. Uh, 42, I can't. Where is it? Yeah, 42. Yeah, he had a 42 against against the Grizzlies. So, I mean – they're every everything that you're you're looking for from their guys and and circling back to Russell Westbrook one thing that I noticed um from some of the Clippers games that I've watched is and like you mentioned with the yin to the yang he is he gonna try and get to the cup and is he gonna be the athletic Russell Westbrook yes that's always going to be him but I have seen this emphasis to getting Kawhi and getting Paul George uh, these mismatches or feeding them in the post when they do have uh, when they're playing against smaller wings or when they just simply have have the mismatch have the size and so yeah. he gets a lot of credit there um, and I just think that they're that they're meshing well together I think credit goes to Ty Lue credit goes to Paul George and and Kawhi for being able to say or for bringing out being able to bring someone like that in who who just fills this who's used to filling the stat sheet and finding ways for him to impact the game without popping off every night for you know a close to or over 20 points triple double that whole Russell Westbrook that we know he's finding other ways to impact the game and um I mean before these I want to say it was the last three wins that the Clippers had they they, they lost for a little bit but I do think yep. that they're in a good place and and that this formula that they're putting together again they're to me they're not someone that you can overlook come playoff time and it all will with the Clippers. It's always going to come back to health. But right now, the formula that they're putting out there, the balance of the roster, the versatility, mm-hmm. I I do believe that they are. I don't I don't know if I want to say full on contender, but they're very very dangerous. And I mean, I think a lot of teams out there are would say I don't want the Clippers. I don't want the Clippers mm-hmm. first round. If I'm any, if I'm except for Memphis, yeah, if, but if, I, if I'm the Kings, if I'm the Kings, who might might very well face them. I don't want to face the Los Angeles Clippers. Mm-mm. I don't think that's a good battle. I think that's actually the perfect type of team that could knock out the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, um, I just completely because, agree. <laughs> sorry. Just because of the uh, the defensive versatility, the wing threat that they have. My God, I almost died there. Um just the fact that they can they can throw out multiple wing defenders. Those are the type of guys that the Kings don't have anybody to guard. They right. don't have anybody that can guard Kawhi Leonard. They don't have anybody that can guard Paul George. And so the Kings would be in a pretty precarious position if they end up facing the Clippers. Um, let's talk about Steph 
real quick. Yes. Let's talk about young Steph Curry, who absolutely went ape this weekend. Just insane game uh, against, was it the Bucks? I'm, I'm losing my mind here. It was, it was the, the Bucks. Bucks. It was the yeah. Bucks. Uh, they had a great fourth quarter comeback. Steph Curry was a huge part of it. Since Steph's return, which is only six games, but regardless, Still, he's averaging... Yeah. Yeah, he's averaging 33 points on 50, 48, 94 shooting. Insane splits. Like, probably some of the most efficient basketball he's played. This is, like, unanimous, almost comparable to unanimous MVP, Steph. Uh, Also averaging five rebounds and five assists. I think, again, it's just with the Warriors and the Clippers, they're both such confusing teams to me because the talent on the roster screams that they are championship contenders. They are... Their starting lineups, the guys who should be contributing for them, are incredibly impactful. Russell Westbrook, plus 10.9 on the season. Kawhi Leonard, plus 10.3 on the season. Paul George, plus 10 for the season. And then you look at the the Warriors, and they still have one of the best starting lineups in the NBA. Maybe still the best starting lineup. I haven't checked, but but they do have one of the best starting lineups in the entire NBA. And for me, it's just... it's. It's confusing because they have the road record that is comparable to, like, the San Antonio Spurs. Um, <laughs> and a, a big—it is true. It's true. They literally—they have seven wins, eight wins on the road. It's very bad. Um, I think, for me, the Clippers and the Warriors are the biggest X factors here in the Western Conference. I know mm-hmm. we just spent some time talking about the Kings and the Lakers. And, yes, the Kings, they might be frisky. They might be able to win a playoff round. It depends on matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun regardless. What a win of a season like the beam, right? For the Lakers, I think they have found a little bit of magic here. It might be a little bit too late. We'll see what happens with the LeBron offseason. But I don't think anybody is looking at them like they're going to win an NBA championship this season. I think, you know, to our point earlier, the Lakers are something for next year. It's like, oh, maybe this is this is a team that could be good next year. And we'll see what happens there. The Clippers and Warriors, though, are teams that could probably win this year and would also be extreme aberrations when it comes to NBA history and talking about contenders. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make sense whatsoever, but they could legit be one of the first teams in NBA history to, to, to win an NBA championship. And still be an awful regular season team. Like, uh, not awful, but like a pretty but, bad yeah. regular yeah. season team. I don't get it. I'm confused. I am also confused. I'm also confused because, I mean, you mentioned all the guys that are stepping up and doing exactly what's asked of them. Doris Burke said uh, the other day, she she had a, it was actually during a Mavs game. She was talking about the Mavs and the Warriors being two teams that have all this firepower offensively, obviously differently structured teams, but Mm -hmm. they're dangerous when you look at their players and what they can do. but then you look at the defensive side of things, and while the Warriors are a little bit better than the Mavs number, numbers-wise, I think they're, what are they, 14th in the league? Uh, yeah. yeah, 14th in defensive rating. They're just not that intimidating on that end of the floor. They And it's exactly the way the Mavs are. And Doris Burke said, uh, she said something that I completely agreed with. She said, both of these teams are so dangerous on offense, but because of their lack of defensive identity, I just don't see them as a real threat. And I was mm-hmm. like... I could not agree more with that statement. I absolutely think when you're a team like the Golden State Warriors and you have Steph putting up the numbers, especially at the efficiency at which he's doing that, I think you always have a chance. It's the same way, again, always bringing it back to the Mavs, that the Mavs always have a chance because they have Luka. But 
when you are missing something as fundamental and as key as as a defensive identity and, and a real impact on that side of the floor, it makes it very difficult to go the, the, the length, to really yeah. go the whole way. And so with the Warriors, I don't you can't ever count the Warriors out. I will never do that because of the talent and the experience and the coaching and everything. But I I'm not putting I'm not betting a whole lot there on them being the ones to to potentially win out or or, or to, to to bring it home because the right. defense I mean it just it's a completely different game in the playoffs and if you don't have that it makes it very difficult to feel like it like it's a surefire bet and so for those reasons I mean even though we just talked about the Clippers the things that the Clippers have is that they have this defensive versatility and and we've seen that time and time again which is why I would feel more comfortable with them uh mm-hmm. versus someone like the Warriors so who knows? I just wanted to just wanted to double check it. <laughs> My God, I don't know what I had earlier today. Um, just wanted to confirm this. Yes, the Warriors do have the best five man lineup in the entire NBA, plus twenty one point nine net rating in three hundred thirty one minutes. Now, to be fair, a big part of that, and to your point about this defensive versatility, a huge part of that defensive versatility is Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Wiggins is uh, I mean he probably would have won finals MVP last year if Steph Curry didn't exist. Now I know that's a lot to say, but yeah, he would have he was the second best player he for was. the Warriors. Um I think that's huge. I think the fact that he is going to be the main assignment on a lot of those guys, the Lucas, the the whoever's, the Jaws, whatever, any of them. Like he's taking the the best guy on the other end and he's going to try to guard him. Missing out on him is going to be huge. Now, he's gone with personal reasons. We don't know what it is. We'll see what happens. Maybe he ends up coming back this year. Maybe he doesn't. Steve Kerr kind of gave a uh, a kind of cryptic message saying if he comes back. So maybe the if is a big factor here. I'm not sure. But I think the Warriors' chances are essentially determined by Andrew Wiggins. And that's wild to say because if I went back in time to 2019 (laughs) and I told someone that, they would slap me in the face. But it's true. Andrew Wiggins is going to define if the Warriors are going to be contenders this year or not. I'm sure the personal reasons, whatever he's dealing with, is more than enough. Again, a lot of people have mentioned it's bigger than basketball. Let him do his thing. That's fine. I'm just saying, in terms of pure basketball perspective, this is gonna he he's going to determine how good the Warriors are in the playoffs. Plain and simple. That's just how it is. Uh, with the Clippers, I think I agree with you. They're, they're more prepared for the playoffs. There's less ifs about the Clippers just because of the fact that there are no question marks of a guy missing a game or a guy not being available for them. They have an incredible amount of depth that the Warriors do not have. So I think I trust the Clippers more, but I also don't know, ladies and gentlemen. I have no clue. It's it's so fun. This tail end of the season, we're, we're almost, uh, I think we're almost to the to the day. Uh, actually, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, it will be to the, to the day where there will be playing games. We're almost a month away from playing basketball, um, and it's always fun. I think the the plan has created this, has made this last bit of the season so much more exciting mm-hmm. because you have teams who still think they're in it, like the Toronto Raptors, unfortunately, um, and teams who still believe in themselves, who think they can still make it, like the Los Angeles Lakers, and it's great to see. I, I love it. I absolutely love it and if you're looking at the western conference we've talked about the west ad nauseum today if you're looking at the west you have the nuggets at first who have lost three in a row they're kind of sliding a little bit especially defensively the kings who are second 
And for all intents and purposes, from what we discussed, especially at the top of the show, there's some there's some legitimate playoff questions with that team. But at the same time, wouldn't be surprised if they make some noise in the playoffs. The third team, the Memphis Grizzlies, are without their incumbent star. John Morant is nowhere to be seen. We don't know when he's coming back. It's going to be a ongoing process with them. They have Brandon Clark missing as well. So that there's a Stephen Adams. We have no idea when he's coming back. He just had his his uh, knee injections. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of questions about the top three seeds in the West, which makes me look at Phoenix, looks at the Clippers, look at the Warriors, the Lakers, the Mavs, and you're just like, maybe the bottom of the West is is better than the top of the west and it i I know it sounds insane saying it out loud but just in terms of pure talent you look at the suns you look at the clippers you look at the warriors you look at the mavs you look even maybe you look at the los angeles lakers Mm -hmm. and you're like man i kind of think there could be a bunch of upsets in this playoffs um i don't know where do you sit with that i i like the way that you said it with uh with it potentially it sounding crazy being that the lower seeds might be better than but i mean that's what happens when you get to the playoffs is which team has which team has fewer questions and which team has fewer uncertainties or fewer i guess risks and a lot of times it's injuries this year has been absolutely right. wild with i mean the kevin durant move john ja Morant. i mean there are so many there are so many moving factors right now in the current landscape of the western conference um i mean luca and his qua- or his injury uh and so i mean there are big big questions around but i mean you look at memphis uh memphis and then the the, the jump down to phoenix but with memphis being without all the guys that you just named maybe things switch a little bit there i feel pretty I mean, confident that Sacramento and Denver are going to try kind of stay towards the top, but you never know. Phoenix could just go crazy. Same with the Clippers. Um, and, and things could look very differently. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see, if this is a year where we see a lot of upsets to me, it looks like this absolutely could be the year for that to be the case. But I'm curious to see what these teams look like because if some of these teams slide just because guys aren't available, but then all of a sudden those guys come back and are available that's very different than if you have if you're a team that has guys available and you still keep losing like the Mavericks so that's that's what I'm going to be watching and um I mean it's going to be a good one the play the play-in is going to be good the first round is going to be good I don't think there's going to be I don't think that there will be uh any series that you can just say "Ah, I'm going to skip that one I don't really care for that one I think they're all going to be very very close and very good so it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun year. It's gonna be a fun especially year, especially in the Western Conference, ladies and gentlemen. Especially in the Western Conference, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, again, we'll we'll be breaking it down for you guys here on the Objective Basketball Podcast. We appreciate you guys tapping in, Lauren. Thank you very much. Glad to have you back. I'm I'm excited. Uh, Glad to be back. Off, finish off the rest of the season. Uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the Objective Basketball Podcast. Go ahead, do your liking, subscribing. Hey, uh, Apple, five-star review, Spotify, five-star review. Do all that fun stuff if you're listening this far. And thank you very much. We will see you guys later. Take care. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at The Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.